back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Phil. And today's film is, perhaps without question, Ooh. my most Ooh. anticipated film of the year. Well, yeah, see. I mean, Force Majeure was is in your like top ten of all time, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that may that may have changed, but uh, sure, it's all I, these things I love, are malleable. Force Majeure, I love. I think it's great, and this film won the Palme d'Or. So yeah, I was very, very, very eager to see it. I drove to San Francisco just to see it. Wow, very nice. Uh, I did not have to drive to San Francisco to see it. I am your co-host, Andrew, and as an art history major, uh, this film was endlessly entertaining to me, although I don't think you have to be an art history major to find this film entertaining. Oh, that's so interesting to hear. Yeah. Well, we're <laughs> talking about the film The Square, which is the film by Ruben Usland, who became internationally famous for his film Force Majeure from yeah. a couple of years back. Yeah. Um and that film, I believe, won a one of the minor awards at Cannes. And then he comes back to Cannes a couple of years later and wins the grand, the biggest prize of them all, yeah. the Palme d'Or. And in my opinion, the greatest film prize that there is anywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, and this film is, is unique in a couple of ways, which we'll talk about. Um, first, I want to tell you guys out there where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog, which is found at www.in-the-q.com. We also have a Facebook page, and just search Facebook for In The Q. Q-U-E-U-E is how it's spelled. On both our blog and our Facebook page, you'll find all of our episodes. And on Facebook, you can communicate with us or on our blog. But we prefer Facebook because then we can actually get back in touch with you that way. Sure. If you'd like to join us for an episode to talk about the film of your choice, contact us on Facebook. Also, we are on Twitter. Our Twitter account is at ITQ Podcast. And then you can find us on iTunes, Overcast, and Podcast apps for your mobile devices. And if you do listen to us, we would greatly appreciate if you could go to iTunes and write us a favorable review. Mm-hmm. We would definitely appreciate it. Um, yeah. So we're going to go ahead and forego the trailer for this film today because it's in a predominantly foreign language to our American ears. Indeed. Uh, the Square is a it's what you would, I guess, consider a Swedish film. It was made in Sweden by Swedish filmmakers, but it is partly in English. It is. Uh, which is always interesting. The Force Majeure was the same way, actually, uh, a mixture of both languages. Uh, the the story and, and I believe French as well in Force Majeure because they were they were staying in the Swiss Alps or the French Alps something they're in the Alps somewhere so yeah I wouldn't yeah. be surprised that was always fascinating to me about Force Majeure is how they just kind of in conversation they would just casually switch yeah <laughs> yeah you know and it's like you know it just it seems there's certain certain things that you express in English and other things that you express in Swedish so yeah yeah. But any, anywho, so The Square is a satirical drama uh, starring Clay Bang, who's a Danish actor. Uh, and it is it centers on uh, a museum in Sweden. And uh, Christian is the chief curator. Mm-hmm. And he is kind of attempting to keep 
his museum current, keep it newsworthy, keep people coming to see the art in his museum, uh, and at the same time balance the different complexities that are that go along with running the place. Sure. But there is also a kind of concurrent thread that happens that starts in the beginning where uh, Christian's belongings get pilfered indeed in in a surprise sneak attack orchestrated by some people who are seemingly uh, poverty stricken and that thread ties into another thread about Christian's feeling of how the people who are wealthy or better off need to feel some measure of responsibility towards people who are not well off. Mm. Uh, it deals with this idea of compassion, which is at the center of the piece of art that is the titular art, the square, yes. which uh, is, is made by an artist and the, uh, the mission statement is see if I can find it word for word here. The mission statement of the square itself is that it's a it's a center for for trust and caring, where uh, we are all equal in the square. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, uh, to make room for the square in the film, they demolish and remove what seems to be a historic commemorative <laughs> statue. Yes, which if you are following what's been happening in the states recently with the removal of historical statues that are deemed to be outdated and racist. Yes. Uh, it had some resonance. Indeed. Anyway, so that's my long-winded uh, summary of the film. Okay, so how I feel about the square. Well, let me just first say that the the trailer for this film paints it as kind of like a, a rollicking comedy. <laughs> and it, it's not exactly <laughs> that. It is a, It is a satire, yes. But more of a serious satire, I would say. Um, yeah. It's got funny parts for sure, but comedy is not its primary aim. I think what it's really what it's really after is to really kind of get at the heart of a few different issues. Some that I mentioned, such as the issue of what to do with the disparity, the economic disparity between those who are well off and those who aren't. Sure. Um, and there's also, of course, the the underlying satire about the art community and the art world and how it is how fraught with... vapid and meaningless it is. <laughs> it's fraught with pretentiousness and, uh, and it tries to compete with just kind of fluffy entertainment on the internet. Yeah. Even though they're not even in the same league. I love that. Um, that yeah. So the film. Yeah. So Andrew, I mean, you're, you're the art historian here. <laughs> what did you think about the square? Uh, I liked the square. I liked it very much. I thought it was quite a good film. I'm not sure if I loved it or was as totally gobsmacked by it in the same way that I was with force majeure. I feel like force majeure is a little bit more focused uh, mm. character study and I think it benefits from that but this is I think the targets of this film are also much broader than the targets of uh, Force Majeure I think Robin Ostlund, Ostlund has established Ruben Ostlund has established <laughs> himself as a uh, sort of formidable satirist mm -hmm. Um 
the targets of his films are major pillars of modern society, right? Yeah. Um, and and generally speaking, the the sort of lies that people tell themselves to make themselves feel good about themselves. Um, Force majeure was kind of a a complex takedown of fragile, toxic masculinity um, mm-hmm. and was wonderful <laughs> in, in how it takes that down. The square is sort of about all those things you mentioned, Phil. And I think that by being a little bit more diffuse in its focus, it, it's, it doesn't feel quite as, uh, it doesn't feel quite as visceral as uh, force majeure did. And yeah, let me, yeah, I, yeah. I want to. You said visceral, so yeah. okay. I I think this movie is too long. I think that two hours and twenty four mm-hmm. minutes is is too much, and but and it is diffuse. But there is an extremely visceral scene that oh, yeah. uh, basically serves as the climax to this film. Well, and it's the thing that they've been and using to sell the film. If if we're talking about the same thing, I think that the Cannes Film Festival rewards visceral filmmaking and provocative filmmaking and moving filmmaking. And I think that if it were not for the jaw dropping climactic scene of this film, which is so visceral while at the same time being extremely metaphorical and, and, and significant, if it were not for that, that visceral segment, I think the film would have been a misfire. And I think it would have been too diffuse to have been, appreciated it can to the, to mm. the degree that it was sure sure but, uh, yeah, yeah but you were I, talking about more. i mean that that scene that you're talking about of course is the one that they are that they promote in all of the promotional materials for it terry no terry yeah as a an ape man <laughs> in this uh cocktail party walking around and and behaving like an ape in amongst the you know, uh, upper crust of society. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a very visceral scene, and it's very very good. But uh, it does feel like a visceral scene rather than the film is this sort of like you know wrenching visceral tour de force. And yeah. um, and I, I do think that this film feels more like a sort of series of vignettes that are kind of tied together loosely around some themes than it does like a very concerted whole. Now, that being said, I think that the things that Ruben Ostland is concerned with and the the themes that uh, he is tackling with this and the, and the pillars of society, as I say, that he is skewering are very worthy of uh, a satiric takedown, right? Yeah. And... Uh, and it is, I think it works in almost every way in this film. It works, but it does seem a bit drawn out. It does seem a bit overlong. Um, and there are parts in the film where I sort of found myself getting a little bit bored, which mm-hmm. which is, you know, not great. Um, but overall, I, I did find it entertaining. The skewering of the art world, the modern art world as being this vapid kind of marketing ploy more than it is ever actually about art of any kind. Um, yeah. And the idea of this, this 
work of art, the square being this place where people can be free from judgment and, you know, live happily and all that kind of stuff is just undercut at every turn by everybody involved in making this thing actually happen. And I think that, like, there's a wonderful commentary there about how uh, a presentation of an idea does not necessarily mean actually espousing that idea in your own life, or at least not being able to execute that idea. You might espouse it, but you can't execute it. Sure. I think uh, a, a terse way to express that would just say it's there's this hypocrisy. Oh yeah, that, yeah. That's in the the central character of Christian. It's in his. It's in the museum he runs, and he is kind of like the the uh, tr- tragicomic male figure at the center of the film, just like in Force Majeure. And I think that's consistent in the two films. Sure, there's um, a very very funny now, scene that is sort of a takedown of his masculinity involving a condom that had me. <laughs> rolling in the eye. I thought it was extremely funny with Elizabeth Moss. Very funny scene. Yeah, and I was just going to say that I think the character of Christian is is painted very clearly, but I felt like Elizabeth Moss's character was not sharply drawn, mm. um, and I think it's not really her fault. I feel like she was kind of there as a device more to kind of further explore Christian's neuroses. Sure, sure. Like she was kind of like her, her character was like female journalist, American female journalist. And uh, I just kind of thought her dialogue kind of rang false. I think that I think it definitely could have fueled the satire. But I think before it fuels the satire, it needs to just just plain feel real. Um, and I, I don't think that it did. Yeah. Although um, I have to say that that conversation between the two of them that is happening in front of that rickety sculpture of chairs that keeps playing this awful sound effect about that. That's like of chairs falling every now and again. I found that to be hysterical. This is again, like maybe this is the art history nerd in me, but I thought that was so funny (laughs) because it was a very serious conversation set against the backdrop of this stupid piece of art, just like completely, dumb piece of art and it just oh man everything about the art when he was the janitor's cleaning up and he accidentally sweeps up all the gravel oh my god every everything oh sure yeah yeah that's that that part i thought was great that was that was a joke that was extremely well set up because throughout the film you know we have these cutaways to this (laughs) very like meticulous uh exhibit of piles of like gravel that nobody goes into <laughs> and there's, they, there's like they a guard poke their head in there. and then they, <laughs> they leave. Yeah. They're like, Oh, what, what's this? This doesn't look interesting. I'm leaving. Yeah. And they kind of keep cutting back to it. Like it seems like it, the film seems to take place over a period of like a few days or something. And like every morning, like we revisit that exhibit and there's still nothing going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like it's a it's a very like it's an incredibly well made film. It is like it is it certainly has a voice. It certainly has a point of view. Um it's a cynical point of view, I feel like, about humankind and certainly what uh the wealthy or um the pedantic or, or maybe the I don't know, the people who consider themselves to be cultured and and 
worldly. Uh, kind the of bourgeoisie. The, yeah, the bourgeoisie. What 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 they convince themselves of being right and being good and all that kind of stuff. It just kind of has a very cynical view of that, basically saying that they're all wrong all the time. Um, I, I think that might be the thesis. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't have a very the film, and I think Ruben Osland as a filmmaker doesn't have a particularly optimistic view of society and where we're headed i i think no um i would agree with that but it's it's interesting though that you mentioned like that this is another takedown of of the bourgeoisie which is something that's been going on for a long time in, in movies sure and i think people are getting fed up with it i think audiences i've i've been hearing this about michael haneke's new film too where we're just critics and maybe even just movie movie fans are like, okay, you know, we're, we're over this takedown. Like we, we, we've seen it before. Sure. We've seen many filmmakers who, who just shit all over this upper crust group of people, but offer nothing in, in exchange. Yeah. There's no solution. There's no, uh, there's no proposition even. It's just kind of like, here we are, we're taking down the same target again and um good good on us for doing so sure but i think that i like the square because there's a lot of ideas swimming around and even though it is diffuse sure. i think it is extremely sure. ambitious um but the other thing that i have to say <laughs> that i think that i think didn't quite work for me this may this movie may be hilarious if you uh, perhaps are a An art closer follower <laughs> of art, maybe. But like, I think as a as a comedy, it needs to be tightened up a bit. I mean, there's t- too many too many vignettes that just kind of are over long. Like, like there's a scene where like Dominic West's character is introduced as this you know artist who's having a talk and. And the kind of the, the satirical element of the scene. There's a man with Tourette syndrome in the audience, and he is continually shouting expletives and and saying sexist things to the female moderator, and it just goes on and on. And it's not. It stops being amusing, and I feel like it, the scene wanted to be amusing. It's not like it. I think it wants you to be uncomfortable, but I also think it wants you to laugh at the situation. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I don't think that it was necessarily... I don't think it was meant to... I think it was more meant to make you uncomfortable than it was to make you laugh. And I also think that it was meant to show how little patience these people have or how little empathy they have. They, you know, it's it's this room full of people who are there to listen to a talk that, in in and of itself, seems to be pretty empty and meaningless. I think the way that Ostland presents it is, you know, basically just a, a a vehicle for this man to inflate his own ego. And so there's somebody who's saying crude, you know, unfortunate things in the audience. Um, you know, and everybody reacts as though like they're fine with it, but they're clearly not fine with it. 
right? Everybody's trying to maintain a level of decorum where they are saying, oh, we are cultured, we are worldly, we are the kind of people. It, it, it's sort of the, the same thread that runs throughout this whole thing. There, you know, there, there are shots here and there and moments here and there where uh, these rich, well-to-do people who are part of the upper crust of society are forced to deal with homeless people or are forced to deal with poor children or are forced to deal with people from the other side of the tracks, so, so to speak. And... Um, and this is another situation of that. It's someone who is even within their ranks, but who has a condition that doesn't allow him to behave the way that they've all agreed is how you should behave. And so they're all pretending to be okay with it, but all of them are annoyed by the fact that this guy is saying these terrible things. And it, I think it, I think it was actually a very pointed kind of jab at the hypocrisy of of polite society. Mm. Yeah, and that's a great extrapolation of that. I just feel like all that stuff was communicated very quickly, like <laughs> very efficiently. And, and they didn't need to linger on it for seven minutes or whatever. I totally understand how the scene ended the way it did. It ended great. Yeah. Because this old man in the crowd says, please, people, be respectful. This man has a psychiatric condition. <laughs> yeah. And that's like not not only is that a, a really funny kind of button to put out the end of a comedic scene, but it, it also totally enforces the point that you just made. Yeah. Uh, and it I just kind of feel like. Maybe Ruben Usland uh, was a little bit labored in his attempts because that's not the only scene it, it, maybe he needs to have a little bit more trust in his in his co- comedic i don't know wherewithal because not only that scene i thought was was too expansive but like the scene earlier in the film when when christian goes to the deli and and the the homeless woman is begging for food and he says oh i'll buy you a chicken ciabatta right and she's like no onions <laughs> yeah and, and he's kind of like he does a take and he looks at her and it's funny. And, you know, he made his point. I understand what, what he's trying to say. And yet we see him wait in line. We see him buy the chicken ciabatta sandwich. He gets it. And he says, take the onions out yourself. And it's like, okay, well, that's a, that, that's a good way to wrap up the scene. But I just kind of feel like if you want to make a comedy, it's got to be swift, you know? It's got to be able. It's got to have a little bit more momentum to it than than the pacing of this film is laconic. Yeah, it it is, but I think that this is where maybe we just run into a, a difference in the way that we sort of experience the film because I wasn't experiencing it as a comedy necessarily. I mean, there were funny. There were certainly funny bits, and there were you know it was funny throughout really, but I like the satire in this is more like uncomfortable biting satire. You mentioned Michael Haneke earlier. I feel like this is closer to a, a sort of a lighter version of Hanukkah than it is. <laughs> yeah. Definitely uh, lighter. Yeah, in, in fact this uh this uh we've got we're going to be doing an upcoming podcast on the new Yorgos Lanthimos film and I feel like Yorgos Lanthimos also inhabits this kind of territory where he takes a lot of time to ensure that the audience is very uncomfortable with what is going on. And 
really sort of lets you kind of simmer in that in that uncomfortable feeling for a long period of time. And I feel like Ostland is is doing the same thing. And it plays out as a comedy in in a lot of ways, but in truth, it's 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 more just a, a pointed sort of vicious satire. Yeah, it is those things. It is vicious and pointed, and it is a satire. And I think I was expecting, I think I kept waiting for it to, for its tone to change based on what I was expecting from the trailer. And <laughs> yeah, the trailer kind of it maintains, doesn't prepare you well. It maintains that kind of pace, that kind of kind of easygoing, laid back distance um, until the climactic scene. Well, even um, the climactic scene. I mean, it it's a exceedingly long scene. I mean, I can't imagine it's yeah, any, but there's, anything less I mean, than 15 on, there's, minutes there's of screen an, time. There's an intensity. Oh, there's yeah. There's an intensity to that scene that is unmatched anywhere in the film. Yeah, no question. Except maybe when he's trying but, to put the flyers in the in the door. That was a pretty intense scene when he's first putting the flyers yeah, with in the, the door. The lights, the, lights. the lights kept going in and out like that. Yeah. That was a nice touch. I like that. But, um, yeah, I, I, okay, I like the square. I like the square a lot, and I think that... I was glad that I saw it. I was glad to make the trip to see it. Um, I think that you mentioned to me once, Andrew, before the podcast, that you didn't like it as much as Majeure. Yeah. And I, I actually, I actually got to say, I don't know at this point how I feel because oh. I, I greatly admire, I, I greatly admire the ambition behind the square, and I think that, and I also didn't mention this yet, but. Ruben Usland, he he has proven himself to be such an astute user of music in his films that oh, I have yeah. to mention. Yeah, that I I always love that. It's not like there's an art to it, people. You don't just take any song that you like. I actually seeked out the music for this film. Bobby McFerrin doing these like spontaneous yeah. vocal performances. Um, it just kind of sprinkled throughout the film, just the way he used Vivaldi throughout yep. Force Majeure, the same piece, the, just like almost like a, in a theatrical way, like to signify the change of scene or a certain motif being repeated. Yeah. Um, it was, it was great. Um, so I, I really like his style. I can't wait to see what he does next. I think that this, this film is definitely, definitely good, definitely worth seeing. Um, and I'm also glad that, that the Cannes Film Festival awarded a film that was playful and satirical and and um, and also just kind of relevant, really, to to today. Yeah, I mean, I I found it to be extraordinarily relevant, and I think I liked the film more than you did, Phil. Um, yeah, I I found it very entertaining. I I love 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 pointed satire you say that audiences might be getting tired of people like michael hanukkah i'm not i could watch <laughs> his films all day um and there's a new one coming out very soon yeah uh very excited about that um and you know i i think that this film is very interesting i i do think that you have some valid criticisms of it i do think that the pace really drags at some points and it does have moments or stretches that may at least upon first viewing seem quite boring i'm i'm very curious to go back to this film at some point you know let it simmer for a little while and return to the film to see if i feel any differently about it or if there is something that i may have missed or not 
understood the first time around. Yeah. Um, because I think that it is layered and I do think that it has a lot to offer. Um, I just don't know, uh, when that's going to happen. We'll see. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's I, too I much to see this Oscar season. For I know me. there's so much this season. Um, but yeah, I, I like the square. I think it's worth seeing. Uh, I would definitely say, check it out. Um, especially if you, uh, saw Ruben Oslin's previous, film or if you're a uh, an art history major because you'll get a real kick out of this movie if you are um and that's uh yeah i i, I liked it i liked it a lot cool yep passed if movies are passed or fail this one definitely passed yeah so yeah, we both like the square i think it's definitely worth seeing so so check it out that is our show thanks for listening uh we're going to be back with another episode this is going to Special filmmaker interview. Uh, Andrew and I are going to be bringing one of our old classmates and collaborators from film school, mm-hmm. Ryan Nelson, to the show. We we haven't seen him or talked to him in fifteen <laughs> years. Yeah, and he is going to be sharing his film Mercy Christmas with us, which is his new kind of comedic horror film that takes place on Christmas, which is now going to be up for download on many different places online. So uh, we hope that you'll join us for that very special episode. See you then.